It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, Huh? Packing the mail, it's gone. She like I smell cologne. Yeah, I just signed a deal, I'm on. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. Wednesday edition of Locked On Rams. It feels really good to be back and talking to you guys again. We have got Jake Ellenbogen from Downtown Rams with us again. Jake, how you doing, my man? Oh, I am great, Bear. Thank you so much for having me on for another week. I cannot believe you continue to have me on. I must bore the hell out of your audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're locked in, man, and we appreciate you always bring some awesome insight. And really, actually, this is awesome. I love talking to you, uh, especially, you know, deep into draft time. You always have, you know, these random players from universities all over. Uh, and that's kind of what the preseason is a lot about, right? We didn't get to see Todd Gurley. We're not seeing any of the uh, starting line, and we're not seeing Jared Goff. Even though when I was watching the first quarter of the Rams game, I was finishing up a birthday party. We're at a pool, and I picked up my phone. I was trying to stream the game off like a Reddit app or a Reddit stream that I usually use. wasn't working. didn't have good internet. So I pulled up ESPN.com, and I was doing like old school, like follow it on ESPN with like the little football on the screen. And, you know, sometimes they're like two plays behind, and it like kicks up a bunch of plays right away. And it had Jared Goff in the game. And I'm like, there's no – how's Jared Goff in the game? And like Goff was like 0 for 2 starting out. And I'm like, how are they starting Jared Goff? I heard nothing about it. I was looking all over Twitter to see like, can't believe Jared Goff's in. <laughs> and it comes to find out that the ESPN app is just so far behind and confused on what's going on in the preseason. It was actually Blake Bortles. It updated it later. But I was having like this mini heart attack of like, get him out of the game. Uh, you know, like we don't oh, need dude, anything to happen. So thankfully that wasn't the case. So we, we're going to talk a little bit about that first preseason game because like I kind of introduced you there, you've got a ton of details on a lot of these guys in the you know second, third, fourth string guys uh, that are fighting to make this team. Don't forget, guys, you can find us both on social media. You can find me at LA underscore Rambling Bear. You can find Jake at JK Bogan DTR, as well as Downtown Rams and Downtown Rams, the website. Uh, as well, back for us, Lockdown Rams on all accounts. Hit us up. Say what's up. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, the podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Himalaya. Uh, but getting back to that preseason game, uh, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but Shane Waldron was calling some plays uh, in the replace of Sean McVay. McVay talked about how it was good for him because he could kind of see a little bit more on the defense and focus on special teams, but he was kind of bored in general. And uh, obviously we saw three points, not a great production, but I saw some kickback online over the last couple of days as people uh, either thought that was a good idea or thought that was a bad idea. Uh, getting ready for the season. What were your thoughts on Shane Waldron calling plays? Do you like that he's giving him the opportunity to potentially even move on with this experience? Yeah. So, you know, I'm a really big fan of what Sean McVay represents. I mean, he's nothing but class. He's honestly just no, he's no nonsense. Don't get me wrong, but this is somebody that, you know, very professional. You, you can definitely tell he cares about his personnel. And first off, that sets a precedent. So when guys are looking around the league and they're like, oh, I just got fired and I was a head coach. Now I'm looking for an offensive coordinator gig. 
Sean McVay is going to be the first option. Um, they're winning football games. They're going to the Super Bowl, you know, and now this guy just treats everybody the right way. And this is further evidence. Shane Waldron followed him from Washington. Uh, Waldron is somebody, I mean, we had Tamaric Hemingway on the podcast uh, back when he was with the Rams, and he had nothing but good things to say about Shane. He said he was, you know, a great guy, uh, but an even better coach. Really felt like he was the best coach he had at that position. Um, and, you know, kind of, he, he's not the next McVay, but he was one of the up-and-coming offensive minds in football. You know, now that McVay is already established, you have to look at the, you know, the Zach Taylors and, you know, the Shane Waldrons and the Matt LaFleurs, and you see where I'm going with that. Those are three guys that are connected right. to, you know, Sean McVay's coaching tree. So, you know, I love what he's doing. Uh, and, you know, selfishly, I love it because I think it's going to help for the future, bring in more guys that want to coach for Sean McVay. But this goes to show you how selfless this guy is. Okay. You know, you don't have anything to gain in preseason as a play caller. I mean, you're one of the best in the league as it is. I get that. That doesn't mean, you know, it's, it doesn't mean like, Oh, Hey, I'm really good at this video game. So I'm just not going to play today. You know, right. it's like, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, but it's fun. And Sean McVay loves what he does. So, you know, I like that he gave it to Shane. Yeah. And for Sean, you know, it's very you're always talking about the preseason offensive guys keep it very vanilla because they don't want to give away too much. So for Sean, this is just another reason not to show anything that he's been drawing up or cooking up in the lab. And then you talked about the future of this team and being able as you got, you know, great coaches out there and he's going to have to continue to fill these spots. Cause you know, as you talked about the line of people that have, you know, come already from this coaching tree in just, you know, his three early years, but people are going to move on. He's going to need other coaches. And when they've got multiple places that they can go, they're thinking, man, this guy's going to give me all the opportunities in the world uh, to, you know, take on those responsibilities and do that. So I thought it was really cool. Uh, he hopefully has a better outing, uh, this coming Saturday because it didn't go so well uh, on Saturday. Again, a preseason game, so no big alarms that are going off. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit. We'll go high level um, and looking at this game, and then we'll kind of break it down a little bit further as we go on throughout the podcast. But uh, just right out the bat, three players who stood out to you on Saturday. Who would it be? Man, that's a tough one. Um, first, I'm going to you know give the nod to Kaderil Hodge. Um, like it. He is a lock to make this roster. Um, you know, I've, I've seen, oh, what about Mike Thomas? Oh, what about this guy? Nonsense. Kaderil Hodge suited up in the Super Bowl. Um, he is putting Prairie View A&M on the yeah. map. Him and, uh, we interviewed, uh, Quentin Bell, who also played in this game from Prairie View A&M. Um, and he was actually drafted. So that, that, that school, you know, can thank Kaderil Hodge. Because, on the come up. You know, he kind of set that precedent, you know. <clears throat> that, that was like their first guy, you know, to really make it an NFL roster. Um, but I, I look at Hodge and I'm like, wow, like legitimately, if the Rams run into a situation where, you know, an injury to Reynolds happens or cup or woods or cooks, he can play. This is somebody, he's a crafty route runner. Yeah. He's got great hands. He understands, you know, his role. He, he knows where, you know, things like the first down marker is. He's very well aware of, you know, the uh, the boundary, obviously. I, I think this is um, this is really the, the storyline of preseason for the Rams is that Kaderil Hodge, 
despite, you know, I mean, his stats weren't amazing, but just what you see on film, he's just so comfortable. Yeah, very and, comfortable. And that's really what it is. Yeah. When you, when you see, you know, a second year guy come out and look like, he, I mean, he was the best receiver on the field and, you know, they had guys that I genuinely like on the, the Raiders. I mean, I, I think, you know, Ryan Grant is a solid receiver. You know, he's a bigger name. I think he's a solid receiver. And, you know, he came out there and I said it on our podcast and I'm going to say it right now. Carol Hodge was the best receiver on the field in preseason um, for the Rams and, and Raiders game. I mean, and, and they have other guys there. J.J. Nelson is a talented kid out of UAB that played and actually made an impact for the Cardinals. You know, uh, Keon Hatcher is somebody that I liked coming out of college. He had a decent game. I loved Marcel Aitman at the Senior Bowl. I think he's going to be in for a really good career um, if he gets an opportunity. Hunter Renfro was out there. You know, I really like what Hunter Renfro brings to the table. But no, I, I think Kadero Hodge looked like the best receiver. So, I mean, is there some bias? Because, you know, I'm a Rams fan. Sure. But, I mean, we can say without a doubt, Kadero looked like the best receiver on the Rams roster. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think one of the best things you said there, and we said it yesterday on the podcast as well, is is how comfortable he looked. He looked like a starter out there with everyone else trying to make the team. He just felt uh, like in the world. He was in place. He was where he needed to be. Uh, you talked about the understanding of the, the game of football, uh, you know, making an appearance in the Super Bowl, getting a catch, then coming out. He, sh- he showed out last year in preseason. This is really his chance to kind of launch himself up into that roster and really solidify his spot. Uh, what we'll do is we'll actually step away. I'll come back and I'll get the other two on the other side. We'll be right back. Jake and Bear, Wednesday edition, Lockdown Rams, right after this. Before we kick over to the next segment, guys, we got to talk about some sex. And I'm not just talking about regular boring sex. I'm talking about that good, good, that good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. It's this easy. You got to go to bluechew.com. That's right. Like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. You can take them anytime, day, night. Full stomach, empty stomach, it doesn't matter. They're chewable, so they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Pun intended. Again, it isn't just for the guys who can't perform. We talked about this. This is for any guy who needs that extra little boost to get across the end zone in the bedroom. We're talking, I made the joke about the Rams only scoring three points in the Super Bowl. Well, well, we only mustered up three points again, so these guys must not be taking the blue chew. We got to get our second and third string some blue chew pills right away because, again, this performance is going to go up instantly. You're going to tell the difference right away. And right now, we've got a special offer just for our listener. Visit bluechew.com. Get your first shipment for free when using the promo code Locked On. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping. Again, bluechew.com, promo code Locked On. Try it for free. Blue Chew is better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. We'll be right back. Tuesday edition Locked On Rams right after this. Go I want good, good. Play if you want it's I'm a young CEO, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. 
Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Packing the mail, it's gone. Uh-huh. She like I smell cologne. Yeah. I just signed a deal, I'm on. Yeah, yeah. I go where I want. Good, good. Play All right, Rams Nation, we are back. Second segment, Jake Ellenbogen with us from DTR downtown Rams that's right and we are kind of breaking down the Saturday's game and I kind of teased it over as we left with Jake kind of said Kadero Hodge really stood out to him who else uh on that roster two other guys that stood out to you on Saturday yeah it's so hard I want to say Nisimba Webster um I think he is going to win the return job I think he is better fit to win that job over Jojo but uh for the sake of being different uh because I've kind of already made it known my thoughts on the Simba Webster pretty much on our show and on the website. I'm going to say first off, um, I I was so shocked and and I don't mean this offensively, but I was so shocked that Landis Durham got the start. Yeah. Um, But I was so happy. That was Alexis and I's first interview uh, for Rams preseason. Well, Rams UDFAs that we interviewed. He was our first interview and um, he looked good. He was great. You know, uh, it's funny, you know, he was so chill. He was so in the zone, just a really fun interview, a guy that you can just get behind. You watch the film at Texas A&M and I mean, this guy, he, he I think he was slept on, you know, I, I really do. And I think, you know, when he finally got an opportunity, um, which came in this preseason game, I he looked like the best Rams player on defense at, at points. Um, he was all over the football. This is one of the better tacklers coming off the edge the Rams have. Um, you know, he was, you know, picking up the pace for guys like Dominic Hatfield, who, you know, struggle in that area. And it was pretty cool to see Landis, you know, go from, you know, rushing the passer, ends up being, say, a delayed handoff. And you see Durham down there right around the first down marker. He's the guy to, to make the tackle. Yeah, that's not a good sign for the Rams, but that's a great sign for Durham. Somebody that's showing you know, he's got really this this very high motor. Um, he finished with a sack. I believe he had a batted pass. He had two pressures, three tackles. Uh, yeah, tackles. He, he was yeah. all over the place in 49 snaps. I mean, the man made an impact. And really, you know, you're, you're making an impact when after the game in the press conference, you're having reporters basically be like, you know, like, what the heck? Where'd this guy come from? And how did you think? And and, and now the coach is speaking on you. So a uh, big game for Landis. I totally agree there. He kind of jumped off the page in my eyes as far as kind of going from, I don't want to say nowhere, but in, in our vision of this team and what we talked about to now putting on pressure uh, to if he can put this a couple games in the row. And we've seen this from, you know, multiple years of if you're, you're a fan of hard knocks, they always, you know, kind of trail one of one or two of those guys. And you can have a really good camp, but it really comes down to having those four really good games and continuing to, you know, put out production. So he, he gave himself a really good jump start with that first game. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I know people are trying to get, uh, you know, Darrell Henderson's uh, nickname Hendo going. <laughs> uh, I'm not a fan of that at all. Uh, I don't see how that really makes sense. 
call Landis Durham though. Call him Lando. Okay. Like Lando from, uh, you know, uh, star Wars. There you go. Um, you know, I, I like that. And uh, I think that's actually his Twitter handle. So Lando 96, that's what we're calling Landis Durham, uh, from now on. But no, I, I really was impressed. He took an opportunity that was had. I mean, let's be honest here. You know, who starts if, if he's not hurt? Justin Lawler, right? That, that's who was going to start. Yeah, that's what this tells me. And this <clears throat> this is huge because Durham made the most of an opportunity that was there because of vacated uh, Justin Lawler, who was injured. But Okoronko is now in serious trouble in yeah. making this roster uh, because here's the thing. It wasn't just Landis Durham. It was also Josh Caraway, who I've gone on record on the show and said, you know, he's got all the athleticism and the talent in the world. He just needs to play more aggressive. It's really that simple. And he looked more aggressive, had a nice sack, and I thought he had a good game as well. That wouldn't be my third guy, though. I just wanted to give a shout-out to him. My third guy instead is going to be in the secondary, and I'm going to give this one to Kevin Peterson. Okay, I wanted to give it to uh, Stephen Parker. Uh, but Kevin Peterson, to me, coming off that major injury last year, was outplaying Troy Hill. And this year, he basically has to look as Troy Hill is on the sidelines, relaxing in street clothes, knowing he has a spot on this roster. And Kevin has to go back to the grindstone. He has to work. And what did he do? Well, Pro Football Focus gave him an elite grade on defense. Uh, he was outstanding in coverage, and he came down with an interception. Granted, neither of the interceptions thrown by Glennon were good. I mean, they weren't like, you know, great plays made. They kind of just right place, right time. Regardless, though, that's an interception. That's a takeaway. Now, you know, your offense is back on the field. That's exactly what you want from your defense. So I was really impressed with Kevin Peterson. Um, You know, this is somebody that I think is better than Troy Hill. I've also gone on record saying that he's probably better than David Long at this point. But David Long has a third round grade to him, uh, a third round, uh, you know, title. So he's not going anywhere. So, you know, that's four guys when you talk about Nickel and Peters and Tlaib and uh, Long. And then, of course, now, you know, we find out Hill doesn't even have to play in the preseason. Basically, he's already made the roster. Uh, so he, you know, that's five, and it's really up to the Rams keeping six. I, I'm not really, you know, certain that they will, but I really was impressed. I thought, you know, Stephen Parker did well. I thought Ramon Richards was solid, and I, I really thought Dante Dion was overlooked, and he had a really good game in coverage. The thing is, just because you didn't hear the guy's name a lot, doesn't mean he wasn't making plays. Right? Uh, he, you know, he was shutting his man down. Um, he had that one play, I believe he might have given up a touchdown. Um, but aside from that, I mean, he had a he had a pretty good game. Um, Dominic Hatfield to me, I, I don't see how he makes this roster. I, I don't I don't see. And I do want to touch on that bear because I don't see the um, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Improvement. Right. I, I don't see the development out of guys like Dominic Hatfield, who they've continued to keep on the roster out of guys like Justin Davis, who didn't even play uh, Tanzel smart. You know, are, are you telling me that you're going to, you know, let a guy like Boogie Roberts go or even Morgan Fox because Tanzel smart. I didn't see it. I didn't see it last year. I didn't see it this year uh, in the first game. So yeah, I mean, he can change. Don't get me wrong. But you know, when you're keeping these guys two, three years, 
they have to make an impact. And if they don't, you have to cut them. You have to, it has to be a next man up type of thing. And so, you know, I do worry like Michael Thomas, you know, I like, I liked Michael Thomas until, you know, he got tagged with the four game suspension. That's when he looked better than anybody in camp. Yeah. Remember that? All, yep. the, all those reports. It's, it's crazy because he's he's working his way back for sure and and is making that wide receiver position pretty interesting. And it's something I want to ask you whether we get to it today or, or a little bit later. Um, but I'm glad you brought up Kevin Peters because yesterday I did kind of an intro segment and I went around the NFL and I talked about a couple of the cool stories uh, that were landed, The you know, the wide receiver out in with the Cleveland Browns and him returning the punt and the, the rugby star that came over and took his first handoff and went to the house. And I skipped over our own guy, Kevin Peterson, and I was going to bring it up today. And I'm, so I'm glad you gave him one of the three stars as far as kind of standing out, because this is a guy who went on IR basically a year to the date of making that interception in his first game back. It's an interception. Pretty cool story here on the Los Angeles Rams. So when you said that, I was like, you know, pumping my fist because I was going to try to work them into the podcast uh, today somehow. But, you know, you make a good point as you're talking about this roster and looking at people that aren't making improvements and that you're like, at some point, you got to cut bait and let someone that's coming in have an opportunity to take that next step forward on this roster. Uh, We're going to get into that next because one of those guys is sitting at the quarterback position. I want to talk to you next about that. So we're going to step aside. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Wednesday edition, Lockdown Rams, Jacob Bear, right after this. I go where I want, good, good. Play if you want, let's do it. I'm a young CEO, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Packing the mail, it's gone. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fancy Football with your Locked On Fancy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fancy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams Nation, Wednesday edition, Locked On Rams. We've got Jake Ellen Bogan from Downtown Rams. Go give him a follow at JK Bogan DTR. Check out the website, downtownrams.com. Constantly putting up articles. You guys were live tweeting during the game, which kind of helped me in that first uh, quarter or so when my ESPN app was <laughs> failing me and I was trying to get a little bit more detail on what was going on. Uh, so check them out. Shout out to Alexa. Yeah, she was doing a great job in keeping me up to date there. So, uh, but you kind of get back to this, and what we teased on the other side was, you know, players that just haven't had improvement that you know are here because they've been here, right? And and sometimes you get a little bit of the benefit of doubt. Hey, you've been in the system three years and you know, you're continually the third or fourth man at at that position. Uh, And one of the guys that I thought would be a slam dunk, but I appreciate you saving them for me too, uh, is in the quarterback room is John Wolford, man. He looked amazing on Saturday and the guy that didn't look amazing got most of the snaps. And that was uh, Allen. And 
I was just confused on, you know, why Allen is still around at this point. Like after the performance he put up, uh, he's kind of always been near the bottom of the roster. I get at this point, you need to have arms in camp. So, you know, situations like this, you have guys to go in there, but am, am I a fool to think that John Wolford should be the number three quarterback as soon as this Saturday? All right. So you know how a rhino before it attacks its prey, it like, you know, like uses its like leg and kind of like that whole, like, you know, getting ready to intimidation. Itself at you. Yeah. 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 Well, th- that's how I feel right now. I'm about to just dive right into this. <laughs> there you go. All right. So no, you are not wrong. Uh, Wolford should start the rest of preseason. We don't even need to see Bortles. You know, he's the backup and that's not going to change. Brandon Allen is turning 27 folks in September at the beginning of September. So if you do the math, that is now two years. Once Jared Goff turns uh, 25, October 14th, that is two years older than your starting quarterback. No, he's not a developmental prospect. He is not a guy that can be on the practice squad. He his reps are meaningless at this point. Yeah. And again, it goes back to Sean McVay being the nice guy, obviously knowing he's not really in the cards um, because he really can't keep three quarterbacks, you know, Um, but it's him putting, you know, letting him put tape out on, you know, on out there yeah no one wants um, to watch it unfortunately and i'm sorry alan i don't know where the next the move thing. i feel bad you know i i tried to get alan on the show before his agent's really nice i i'm not you know trying to trash alan i am he's terrible it's just, it's just uh, this is you know what it's the nature of the beast casters. yeah at the end of the day we gotta be honest and i gotta be honest with you alan playing ruined the entire offense for the rams the whole flow was off. I, it really did. So not only did you not have a running game to start, so you are banking desperately on the you know the passing game to get going, but you're getting turnovers and you're you're punting the ball back. What yeah. you know that those are points you need to have. You need to at least come away with three every time. I, I've always been told that. You know, um, if you are racking up turnovers, if you kick a field goal every time. Those are points. Those are points that you did not have prior. If you're punting, that turnover meant nothing. It literally did nothing. So you got to make the most of turnovers. At least three, you know, you'd obviously want a touchdown. Yeah, well, I definitely... Brandon Allen, his... uh, Sorry, his his mobility was a big factor. Um, He's actually the guy... Bear, I don't don't know if you remember. Uh, You know how hand size is so big. He was the guy that stretched his finger, uh, his hand. No, <laughs> like I did not, not even that. kidding you. He used a device to stretch his hands. At oh my the gosh. Combine. It makes me like um, him even less. <laughs> I know. That's just so weird. That's like wearing white sunglasses. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> offended, but, uh, <laughs> oh, but, I better take these sunglasses <laughs> off. Glad this isn't on camera. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. But no, like for real though, like when you look at the fact that he's 27, Jerichoff's 25, that goes out the window. John Wolford is 24, okay? Or 23, 24 years old, whatever. He isn't 27. He did actually have more experience than Allen, in my opinion, because he played in, in, in the AAF, and he was one of the best quarterbacks in the AAF. And, you know, I think you saw a lot of good things from Wolford uh, in the AAF. And, you know, I'll tell you right now, you know, he came in and the offense started moving the football. And the Rams, they benched 
they took Bortles out before the first quarter even ended. And so it was basically Brandon Allen for the end of the first all the way until like halfway through the fourth. It was excruciating to be quite honest. You, You know, you're sitting there and you're trying to evaluate and it's like, what can you evaluate? And like the problem is like Mannion, he has a hard time, you know, sensing pressure in the pocket. And so, and he, he now like his mobility, which was so big, wasn't even like a factor in this game. Like I remember the sack or the tackle, I think it was a sack that Arden key had on him. Everyone was flipping out like, Oh my God, Arden key with the amazing sack. Brandon Allen, two years ago runs from that and probably (laughs) runs for a first down and more. So I don't know if he like lost a step, but I mean, it's just not a good look. Whereas you have Wolford who, you know, and I don't want to hear, oh, well, you know, he he has that chemistry with his Wake Forest guys. Sure, it helps playing with Matt Colburn again. It helps playing with Alex Bachman, but he doesn't have the same offensive line. He didn't have the same, uh, you know, second receiver. Just the, the energy. Didn't play at Wake, uh, the Wake energy Forest, was so you know? different. When, when he came in, the energy just kind of picked up to a different level. The pace of what he was doing, how he was commanding the offense, just little things like getting in and out of the huddle seemed a lot different as far as pace for me. And uh, I actually like got Austin a, Davis. Yeah, I got to give a shout reminds me of. I got to give a shout out to uh, Henry Bear on Twitter. He tagged me in a few AAF highlights of Wolford as we were kind oh, yeah, isn't of. Isn't he great? Yeah, he's great. He is awesome. I'm always he's loving one the of the, con- He's one of the best members of the Ramley. Like, I'm just going to flat out say that right now. Henry Bear is one of the best members of the Ramley. Dude, is it, it doesn't matter if he's positive or negative because you don't know. Like he's right. just he's just a nice guy that like he follows like you know our stuff and he's constantly engaging and that's all you can ask for you know from uh you know a fan or just you know part of a community and, and he brought and yeah. he brought some awesome stuff today that kind of you know I'd oh, seen absolutely. some of these highlights from the past but it kind of reminded me of the cannon that he has he showed the deep pass that he threw and then also we saw him you know, run and try to go for the first down. And I love that kind of like grittiness of putting his head down there. And really, if the refs don't blow the whistle right away, he probably pushes the pile. Kind of the pile went forward. I thought we got that first down at the end of the game, but uh, they blow the whistle to protect the quarterback, obviously. Uh, But yeah, he he showed a couple awesome uh, clips. You clearly saw my tweet. (laughs) Yeah, and he also put up something that kind of said, like this might be, and this is still going back to Henry Bear and what he said in one of the comments was, you know, we may be looking at the future number two in LA once Blake, we, you know, presume is going to move on after the season. If this guy hangs around, this would be a nice little number two quarterback to have behind you. A guy that's athletic, that can throw the ball, uh, that, you know, at that point would be in McVay's system a couple years. Obviously, you talked about not wanting to carry three quarterbacks on the roster, but maybe this is someone that goes, hangs out on the practice squad. But again, if he shows out too much, uh, does he go somewhere else? That's the problem. Could you see him as a number two in LA for you know looking past this year? Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a giant bold prediction right now. I think Blake Bortles will be your starting quarterback in Cincinnati next year. Um, I think Sean McVay is going to fix him, and I think he's gonna go and play uh, with uh, Zach Taylor. I, I think that's where we're going here, and you know I think that would be good for Cincinnati. You get him, and then maybe draft you know, one of the upcoming uh, quarterbacks, maybe a Herbert or, you know, even, you know, a wild card like Derek King, who I really like. Um, I could definitely see that. But as far as Wolford goes, yeah, I think he is the number two as long as he doesn't get plucked. And I mean, there's no there's no telling if he will or not. I mean, the Jets, I know, had him at one point. 
Um, so there's familiarity there, but uh, you know, different head coach. So who knows? Um, yeah. It'll be something to kind of, it's something to kind of watch and see how this plays out the rest of the preseason. If he can continue that, obviously he's got to jump Allen. We're assuming that should happen as soon as today, I would hope, but uh, I think that's going to happen. Uh, But we'll, we'll get one more topic before we get out of here. I was going to leave some more time for this, so we'll make it quick. This is more of just a quick opinion. Um, Cameron DeSilva, who runs, he's the managing editor of the Rams Wire, uh, pitched an idea that got a lot of traction today and it got me thinking and it got me interested. Uh, but Jadavion Clowney hasn't signed his franchise tag and there's rumors around Houston right now that they're looking for a trade partner and they're looking to kind of maybe move on for him. They're in the market for a left tackle. They could use some help on the O-line. His thing would... His his thing uh, was suggested. Would you trade Joe Noteboom for Clowney? I'm assuming if this actually went down, because this is just a thought. This isn't something real. I saw a lot of people, you know, freak out and and get behind this. But uh, I'm assuming if this were to happen, we'd maybe have to throw in a pick or two just on you know what Noteboom's done and what Clowney's done so far. But would you be open for that, or are you like not interested in that at all? Um, I've always said. You know, if the Rams were to get an elite pass rusher and keep in mind, I've also said this Dante Fowler can become that elite pass rusher. Right. Um, you know, he's still 25 years old, but I mean, Clowney's a no brainer. You know, even if you have him for one year, like who is stopping the Rams? If you have Clowney, Ibu Cam, uh, Fowler, uh, you know, Clay Matthews, and then you have Donald Brockers, Franklin Myers, Morgan Fox, Greg Gain. I mean, like what? Like you have all those guys in your front seven. Who was stopping that? Yeah. Like, no, I, I mean, I'm, Clowney I'm would totally be with unbelievable. You. you know, the the question is, is Clowney a better? Uh, is he a better defensive end in a four, three or a stand up pass rusher in a three, four? And to me, I think he's a better stand up guy to, in my opinion, I, I think he projects better in that regard. Um, him in Wade's defense would just be ridiculous. And I believe Wade's coached him before. So, you know, there's also that familiarity. I could be wrong with that. Um, but I, I believe, yeah, I believe he has because Wade, keep in mind, Wade was a uh, defense coordinator for the Texans before going to the Broncos. Right. I just so don't know. Chance. I think that was that first year he, he was there, but he was so banged up. I don't know how much he played that first year. Uh, but you're right. Still there may be some, yeah, some familiarity. <laughs> all interesting. And you think back to last year, the Rams did try to make a push for Khalil Mack, which still just blows my mind that we were in the room in the talks about that, uh, because oh, that yeah. would be a crazy thought to think of as well. But, you know, I, this is something I have about a 2% chance of actually thinking would ever happen. Uh, but the Rams drafted heavy at the line again this year. Uh, they got some depth. We saw them get a little beat up on Saturday, and there's going to be some growing pains with some of these young guys. But if you have a chance to go get a guy like that and throw him next to Aaron Donald, you absolutely do it. You figure out how to plug that hole in the offensive line. Uh, I'm for it. I don't think, again, I think this is just a conversation starter, something to talk about. Uh, but it was oh, yeah. pretty interesting to see how that would match up. We'd probably have to give a little more because, again, Note Booms really hasn't had much of a starter role. So you'd, you'd probably have to kick in a draft pick or two or maybe uh, some extra cash. But I thought it was interesting to see a lot of people were big time against it. And I think that's where I was curious where you were going to sit. But I think we're kind of on the same idea of, dude, Clowney is a freak. And when you get yeah. that opportunity on a defense, especially where we're, I don't want to say that, that, that 
term, we're going all in on the defense. But, you know, we, we did it last year with, uh, you know, Tlaib and Peters. We continue to do it with adding some key veterans, which the sounds of it is already paying off big time as far as the gelling in the team. So to go and get a guy like this to kind of just go over the edge on that line as far as pressure goes at the quarterback uh, would make sense to me. But again, you got to give up some pieces. I don't know where this is going to go and if the talks are real in Houston, if they're really looking to move him on. But uh, they're trying to find any way to motivate him to sign that franchise tag, but it just hasn't really budged. But a uh, fun topic to discuss. As always, I've got about 12 other things that we didn't get to, so we'll get to talk about it next week on the show. I'm glad we were able to kind of connect here again. Uh, Jake, man, I look forward to talking to you again next week after this game in Hawaii. Oh, absolutely. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for having me on. With that said, you know what it is, Rams Nation. Until next time. Peace. I go where I want, good, good. Play if you want, let's do it. I'm a young CEO, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking my shit, I'ma pop that. Got like 32,000 in one of my pockets. The other one, that's where the Glock at. You little nigga wanna be in that gangster, man. Tell all these little niggas stop that. Be the Burmian nigga in front of the store with your man. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.